Let me explain what we're going to do today. Very warm welcome to you. What I want to do this morning is just do um, a reminder for where we're going as a church, what we're about, plus have a review of some of the things we set ourselves at the beginning of 2015. We're at the back end of 2015 now. Christmas will be on us before you know it. Anyone seen Christmas adverts yet? Stuff in the shop? It won't take long. It'll be here. But we're going to have a little review of some of the things God has done, things to celebrate, things to enjoy. But first thing, us as a church, hopefully if you've been around a while you'll know this or it'll be familiar to you. If you're new it won't be, but it's good to be reminded about what God said to us, where we're going as a people. The first thing, our purpose as a church, what God has called us to as a church. We write it up here on a banner so you can kind of see it every week, but I imagine familiarity kind of breeds contempt in sense of actually you've read it once and you just now ignore it. But I want to put it back on our agenda. It says there, what we're about as a church our purpose statement of the church is real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus and changing the world with Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. If you've become part of it, we're all about Jesus in real life, church. We're all about making his name known, making his name great. We want everyone to have the opportunity to get to know Jesus for themselves. We want it to begin with a relationship that they, they actually encounter Jesus personally. If you're a Christian here, that's what's happened to you. And we make that, that's our, our biggest thing. You have your relationship with Jesus. We believe Jesus is the most important person who ever lived in the world. We think he is the most significant individual ever lived in the world. We believe what the Bible says about him. We believe he was fully man. He came, he walked the earth. But at the same time, he was also fully God. He was the internal God who came and walked amongst us. He lived a perfect life. He, he was, the Bible would say he was sinless. He did nothing wrong. He was utterly perfect in every way, yet he died. He was executed in the most horrific way ever designed by man, crucified. And the Bible said he actually died in our place for our sins, for the things that we had done and we had offended God, all the, all the bad things we had done against the perfect God. He died in our place and he took the punishment for us. The reason for that is so that we could know him, that we could have life, that he died in our place so that we could come to know a holy God as imperfect people. We will come for a perfect God through Christ. And we believe he is the most important person. And so that's why we talk about him all the time. That's why we sing about him, his amazing grace. That's why we celebrate what he's done in our life. And our unashamed purpose of church is for everyone to get to know Jesus. Everyone have a relationship with Jesus. Everyone have the opportunity to encounter Jesus for themselves. And so that's what we want to do. But then we follow. Once you've encountered Jesus, if you read the stories of the Bible, if you listen to people who've met Jesus for themselves, what happens to them? They are changed completely, utterly, thoroughly. The men and women who met Jesus, we read about in the gospel stories, they were changed forever from an encounter with him. And it's the same for us, the same for my life. When I met Jesus in my early 20s, it changed me completely. And as a result, our lives are different. We start to follow his model, not because it earns us his favor, but actually because we want to do that and we've been transformed and our heart has been changed. So we become slowly, slowly more like Jesus, the Bible says. Then as a result of that, we want to give everyone else the opportunity to get to know Jesus. So we talk about him, the way we live our lives, the way we're out there. That's what we're all about as a church. And that will never change. That is our unchanging purpose. If it ever changes, I think we cease to become a church, as the Bible said, and we become some mockery of it. So that's our purpose. That's what we're about. Hopefully that's not new to most of you. Not at me. If that's like, yeah, I know that. Good. 
Thank you. That's a good start. Next thing, where are we going as a church? Our vision, this is what we, we put together. When we started the church, which is nearly five years ago, can you believe that? Nearly five years ago now, um, we felt God speak to us about a bunch of things. And we felt God, we were praying and saying, God, what do you want to do with us? This little group of people, you've called us to this town to start this church. He told us to call it Real Life Church. Like, okay, fine, never heard that name before. It's a bit weird, but you know, there you go, we'll call it that. And then he said, what do you want this church to be like? And he said three things um, to us. He said we want, he wanted us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. And when there's eight of you sitting in a room, that's just hysterical. We think, really? Really? There's eight of us. But hopefully in what we share today, you'll see that God is working out his purposes. And the first thing he said to us is, I want you to be a large church. I want you to grow numerically. And that's, it's nice. When God speaks to you, it's a great thing. But you always need to go and line it up with the Bible. What does the Bible say? Because the Bible is our ultimate authority. And if ever what, anything you think God said to you doesn't line up with the Bible, guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> you misheard. Something's gone wrong. Bible's right. Okay, and so we always submit everything to there. So we, we felt God say, okay, I want you to build a large church. So I went in the Bible and said, okay, what does, the, what does the, the Bible say about this? And if we follow the story of the Bible, the big story, the meta-narrative, what we find in the beginning is God created uh, the heavens and the earth, and in it he put a garden, and he put Adam and Eve in the garden. What's one of the first things he said to Adam and Eve? Multiply. He said, there's two of you. Guess what? Let's have more. Sex. You know, and so that's what happened. He said, I want more of you. I want more. I want you to fill the earth. You think, wow, that's a lot of people. So he says, I want you to do that. And then if you follow the story through, we find God came to a man named Genesis. No, in the book of Genesis, he came to a man named Abraham <laughs> in Genesis. He came to this man named Abraham, and he gave him these great promises, Genesis chapter 12. And he says to Abraham, he says, do you know what? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make out of you a mighty nation. And through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. It says, your descendants, they're going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. They're going to be, they're going to be numerous. I'm just going to keep growing you. And if you follow the story, I mean, it's, it's a bit strange because Abraham was like really old when he did this. And his wife was really old and they had no kids. And it says that his wife was barren. She couldn't have kids. And so it's a really crazy promise to give to this old um, couple. But guess what? God fulfilled his promises. They had a son who had another son who had 12 sons. We looked at that when we studied the book of um, Genesis. We looked at Joseph. And they grew into a nation called Israel. And that grew and that occupied the land that God had promised to Abraham. And they became this mighty nation. And so they were growing and growing. But, but the prophets came and spoke to Israel. And they said, actually, do you know what? The prophet Isaiah said, it's not just going to be you, this, this, this ethnic people who are physical descendants of Abraham, the Jews. He said, actually, you're going to be a light to the nations of the world, the Gentiles, all the other nations. And they're going to come and stream to God. They're going to come to God too through you. It's not just going to be you because you've been, you're physically descended. It's going to be something bigger and greater than that. And then we fast forward a bit. We go into the New Testament. And John the Baptist comes and saying, you know, the kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus comes. He takes some guys. He trains them. He dies. He rises from death. And then he commissions his followers. And what does he say to them? He says, go into all the world and make the disciples of what? All nations. Every tribe, every people, go everywhere. And you follow the book of Acts after Jesus' ascension to heaven and you see these guys going out doing that. They're preaching and people are getting saved, lots of them. And then they might moving around, they start planting churches in these places, one place after another. Look at the Apostle Paul, we follow his story and he's, he's going to one place and he preaches, people get saved right as a church. He moves on to the next place. 
And more and more and more and more people are becoming Christians. It's growing and growing. And you read through the book of Acts, it just has these phrases like the church multiplied. Many more people got saved. Many people were added. And then if we fast forward to the end of the story, we see <clears throat> the apostle John, one of Jesus' friends, very old man now, but he has a vision. And a vision at the end, and he says, I saw a lamb on a throne, and round him was a multitude of people that couldn't be numbered. It was so vast, and it was from every tribe and every nation and every people group, and they were standing before the throne worshipping Jesus. And so actually this, this mandate that God gave to Abraham has now gone out throughout the entire world. And if we read in um, Galatians, we find out that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, by faith you actually become one of the offspring of Abraham. It doesn't matter about your physical parentage. You suddenly have a spiritual parentage. And so those stars he saw in the sky, in the desert, you're one, you and I are one of them as believers. And so this, this people of God is just going to grow and multiply. And so when I look at actually God had called us to grow and multiply as a church, I think, I found that in the Bible. That's what the Bible said. That's the story of the Bible. And some of the things that God specifically said to us about growing as a church, he talked, he, there was some prophetic stuff we got, which we weigh and we felt this is from God about us growing and multiplying um, as a church. One of the things that we had as we started the church, a, a guy came to us from our old church and we just had our first son, Levi, um, and he was a little baby and he came prophesied over us and he says, this church you're going to begin is going to grow like Levi grows. Um, and uh, when you have a baby in this country, you get something called the Red Book, which is the baby Bible thing, you know, you have to take it everywhere, you know, it's kind of this thing you take, you take to your uh, meetings uh, where you meet the midwife and they plot it and they plot how your baby grows and develops to make sure he or she is healthy. And it turned out, and they've got these lines on it, like this is the average line and this is the, the upper line, this is the lower line and as long as you're kind of in the middle there, your baby's on course and as long as it's tracking. Levi was a monster, I don't know if you remember him when he was that small, you, we used to lay him next to other babies and he was twice the size of them. I used to be worried he'd eaten one of them. I would count them. When I lay him down, I'd count them. One, two, three, four, five. There are five children there. As long as I come back and there are still five, he hasn't eaten one of them and we're okay because he was just massive, especially these petite little girls he used to lie next to. I thought, don't roll over, kiddo, because you will just crush them. But he was a big, and he was above the 95th percentile, almost out the top. And someone came prophesying and said, your church is going to grow like that. You're going to grow bigger than is expected for us. And then we took it away and we're like, whoa, God, really? But we've prayed and God is starting to grow. So we believe God has called us to be a large church. Secondly, it's to be an influential church. We read the story of the Bible, we find God uses time and time again men and women in positions of uh, power in kind of worldly structures to be used for his kingdom. We studied one recently, Joseph. He became prime minister of Egypt, a pagan nation, but he became second to the, the Pharaoh, the king. And he was used for God's purposes and he was used for God's glory. But there are others, Daniel, it was an advisor in Babylon, another pagan empire, but he was used to influence the king who ended up praising God as a result of his steadfast faith. There was Queen Esther in Persia who saved the Jewish people. There was Nehemiah, the cupbearer in Persia, who was used by God to rebuild the city of Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. Jesus said to his followers in the New Testament, he said to me, he said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You're to go out, be salty, bring flavor, bring preservation, stop decay. In society, you're meant to be an influence. You're your presence there. And the same with that you're a light. When you put a light into a room, a dark room, it just shines. You cannot get away from it. 
My boys have this game that they absolutely love. They call it Dark Play, which is an ominous name for a game when little children are playing. Daddy, we do Dark Play. And I'm like, what the heck is Dark Play? But what they do is they love to go in a room, get a couple of torches, and they, just, they like to close the curtains and have it all dark and shine the torches on the, on the ceiling, on the wall, and they think it's the most fun thing in the world. So we sometimes do Dark Play. But when you go into a dark room and you just turn the torches on and turn the little lights on, it changes everything because the light is shining. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be lighting up the place for God's glory and God's kingdom. And as we were coming to start the church, I felt God speak to me very specifically um, through um, a section in the prophet Jeremiah. I was reading through my Bible in a year, and I got to this um, passage just as, as my general reading, and it leapt out to me. Uh, and I felt God say something about the church that we we're about to start. And it says, uh, Prophet Jeremiah is speaking to um, the people of God who've been taken into exile. The, the city of God, Jerusalem, has been destroyed and they're off in Babylon. And it says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. So these guys have had their homes destroyed. They've been taken off somewhere to a pagan city where they're kind of just lost. And it says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exiles and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. And I felt God say to us as a church, we're going, we're going to this church, we're going to this city city of Birmingham, we're moving here, we're going to be part of something and we're going to go there and we're going to be there for the long term and we're going to seek its good, we're going to seek its welfare, we're going to be, be a positive influence on the city of everything we can, we're going to go and buy houses, done that, bought up houses, we're going to have children, my youngest Asher was born Good Hope, so he's an official brummy my son, and so we're here, I'm, going to, I'm waiting till they grow up before I do the finding daughters for them. Um, in marriage, so I'll give that you know I'll give that another 20 years, um, but we'll work on that one. And it says you plant vineyards, we work and we do, and we're going to seek the benefit of the city. And my heart is for us as a church is that we would be people who would seek the benefit of the places we are. We would seek to be a positive influence, like light shining, like salt bringing out flavour and preserving and preventing decay. And so whatever place you find yourself in as part of this church, your workplace, your social groups, your neighbours. Uh, wherever you find yourself kind of working, being, you are to be an influence for God's kingdom and God's good. And you might be the only believer there. You don't know, but you might be. There might be others. But you're to shine a light for his kingdom. On the playground, with the other mummies and the kids, in the office, with the people you report to, with the people who are kind of under you, subordinates, those who peers, colleagues you work with, you're to be an influence for his kingdom. And my heart is as a church that we would be influential in all the areas that we find ourselves in. Some of you work in areas of education in this city and you are an influence there in schools and stuff. Some of you work in areas of business and finance, that you're a positive influence there. Some of you um, work in um, arts, music and things like that and you, you, you create stuff and you can be an influence there. People work in medicine and health and all these areas that we are to be a huge influence and even as a, a corporate body, that as we grow and multiply we will be increasingly influential and connected and be able to speak out about things in the city and that we will serve it. And God has called us to that as a people, that we would be an influential people for his kingdom. And the last one, that we would be reproducing, that we would be multiplying. If you look at the life of Christ, what was one of the first things he did? He came to earth, he grew up the man, he's starting his public ministry. What does he do? He gathers 12 guys together. He says, right, you're going to come and be with me. 
And what he says, I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you. And he spends roughly three or so, three and a half years with these guys, training them. And at the end of it, what does he say? He says, right, now it's time to go. <laughs> go. All that I've seen you, all that I've, co- I've taught you, you now go and teach others. You baptize them. And I make a confession of faith. You teach them everything. And you, you go in my name and do that. And then we follow that through. We see that happening. There's one section in Acts chapter 13, which is fascinating if you, just, if you um, study it. There's the Apostle Paul. He's one of these people who's been saved following Jesus. But he goes around. And in the space of about a chapter and a half, he seems to plant churches in about six or seven places. He goes from Cyprus to Perga to Antioch in Pisidia to Iconium to Lystra and Derbe. And then back to another place called Antioch where he started all the time preaching, planting churches, reproducing itself. And we as a, as a church want to be people who reproduce. We want to see people become Christians. We're Christians, right? We want to pray and we want to witness and we want to be a positive influence and see others come to know Jesus themselves. But also we want to go bigger than that and we want to start other churches where people get to know Jesus for themselves. Um, God has spoken to this specifically um, four times before we planted here. Four separate occasions. Someone came up to uh, Melanie and he said, uh, real life church, they said, is going to be like a strawberry plant. And we were like, great, what the heck's a strawberry plant? You know, I can do strawberries on scones and in jam, but I don't know anything about plants. But strawberry plants are fascinating plants, and it's now the official, church, uh, official plant of Real Life Church, if you're interested. We actually have some strawberry plants in our back garden that someone gave to us in a nice tub, and you'll be pleased to know we haven't killed it. Um, so there's a prophetic sign, and it's producing fruit, interestingly. My boys eat them before we can get to see them. We've educated them about you don't eat the green ones only when they're red. But we, we do that. And strawberry plants are fascinating because what they do is they grow, like they go rabid, they grow, but then they send out shoots. They're called runners. And these runners go out and they go into the ground. And then when they've gone into the ground, they kind of produce another plant. And so they kind of multiply in this, this web. And if you ever see wild strawberries, they are crazy because you can't see where one starts and one finishes because they're, they're all kind of growing and connecting with each other. And we felt God's called us to plant other churches. Now, I don't know where and when at this stage because at the moment, it's just us. And if we sent out people to plant church, we'd be a lot smaller. But I believe that's in our future and I'm praying in terms of saying, God, where do you want us to plant? What's the next step? This nation, another nation, don't want to limit what he can do amongst us, but that is what God has called us to. That is what God has called us to. So that's where we're going as a church. That's what we're about. That's what God has been kind of put on our agenda. And I've been preaching it since we began. And God has been doing some amazing things. And now coming to um, what we've got about this year. Have you got, um, there should be a leaflet on your chair that looks something like this. Can you just grab that out and I'll give you, we're just going to go through that very quickly and then I'll finish. We had them. Uh, a friend of ours come and visit us just over, a, um, or just under a year ago. Um, a friend named Julian, and he was—he's uh, used powerfully by God. He's um, got an incredible prof- prophetic gifting, um, recognised as a prophet by many people. Um, and he came and spent an evening with us, and he—he's prophesied over a number of people, and he brought some stuff to the church, and we kind of in the process of weighing it and trying to working it all out because we all subject everything to what the Bible says. But he said some things to us that I just want to highlight today. And out of that, we formed kind of what we wanted to do this year and where he wanted to go. And he said these to us. I just Some of you were there on that evening. And hopefully this will just be a reminder of for you. It says, um, he said, God has called you, the church, Real Life Church, to be unashamedly drinkers of the Spirit. 
Those who would soak and drink. He says, your best strategies are going to come from the river. Even as David found his best weapons in the river, so you'll find your best weapons. Your best strategies in the river. And where others will go to this conference and that conference, that strategy and this strategy, God says, come to the river. Because as you come to the river, I'm going to give you ideas. I'm going to unlock plans. And you will accomplish more by accident than you will on purpose in this church. Because I'm going to teach you about how to flow in the levels of grace. That will not cause exhaustion. will bring empowerment. He also wanted to say, God said what's going to mark you out is your ability to worship. There's going to be a prophetic anointing on your worship. There's going to be a flow in worship that will enrich levels of intimacy and ecstasy. That will bring a shape and atmosphere and change the way things are done. You'll accomplish more in extended worship than you will in strategic eldership meetings. Get ready to become a worshipping church. He also said, interestingly, this thing, the thing that's going to mark you out is you're going to have a significant children's work. And there's going to be a move of God amongst your children. You ought to get ready for that. He knew nothing about us as a church, by the way, when he kind of came across like that. We deliberately hadn't told him some things. He says, um, God will give you a prominence and a favor in order to release the blessing of the kingdom that will come and lift this community out of its place. You get ready because the church is coming into its destiny. And he said there's going to be an acceleration in growth in what you're doing. We're to build and grow for that. And so what we came up with out of that, we try to do two things. We've got on one side it says come and get, and on the other side it says go and show. What we wanted to focus on this year is we wanted to do two things. We wanted to be a church that came and got from God that came and um, met with God and worshipped God and had intimacy with God, came to the river was the language he used, that we would be that church, but also we'd be a church that would go and show that outward. So it wouldn't just be an inward thing, it would be an outward thing as well. And we came up with these, these lists of things, which I just want to go through and just see how we're doing. And there's lots to celebrate that God has been doing with us. If we start with come and get uh, on that side. First one, come and get, come to life group. Um, we just started our... Fifth life group uh, this week, last week, wasn't it? This week, last week, and multiplied um, our fifth life group. So Bill and Abby are now leading life group. Where did Ryan go? Is that, <laughs> Taz and Ryan are leading our other life groups. We now have five life groups um, in the church. These are really important uh, things that we meet midweek uh, where people can connect get to know each other. We have a simple format which we run every evening, which is eat, chat, and pray together. So you get to come together, eat, um, get to know each other, talk, and then pray and meet God together. So we have those. So if you're not connected with them, please come and connect with them. We're excited that we're now, we've grown so much, we now have to have five groups just to accommodate everyone. So everyone's got a place that they can connect. Please get involved in them if you're not. Um, next one, um, church at prayer. We built this in because... Um, we felt that um, we wanted to build church, uh, pr- church corporate expression of prayer very much into what we do as a church, not as an add-on, but in something that is very much a part of what we do, very fundamental. So what we've done in the last year, the last actual year, 12 months from now, we've been meeting every other week. We do life groups one week, church of prayer the next, and just rolling it. So we're meeting together and we're praying. What we found... Um, was that the church of prayer was fantastic, but we found life groups were suffering a little bit. So what we've done as of now is we're going to tweak it slightly, and we're going to do two life groups, one prayer meeting. So we're still going to be praying regularly, but actually we're going to do a, a three-week rolling cycle, um, which um, your life group leader should have told you about it. But the point is our prayer times are fantastic. Please make a priority of getting to them. We pray, we encounter God. God has spoken to us. He's spoken to individuals, things about the church. We get to bring everything to church. It feels like to me that everything we do at a church, we have prayed well about. 
Um, I don't mean that to boast. I'm just saying we have everything to come out. We make sure we give significant time to prayer. So please, if you don't go to those meetings, come along. The next one is on Wednesday. What a great lead in there. Um, so please come this week. We're going to pray together. Next one, the Catalyst Festival. Put your hand out if you went to the Catalyst Festival. Please look around. Look at that. There were about 3,500 people camping at the Catalyst Festival. There was roughly, we reckon, about 90 from Real Life Church went, <coughs> excluding the kids. We camped for a long weekend in May, the bank holiday. It didn't rain, did it? It didn't rain. God is so good to us. It didn't rain. We had an absolutely amazing time. Um, many people got to know new people because we all camped together. We ate together. It was fantastic. If you missed that, please talk to someone else because they probably went, asked them how wonderful it was. We had a really good time. It'll be coming around next year. Watch this place. Uh, so we had an excellent time there, worshipping with others, seminars, meetings, kids' work, youth work, etc. Brilliant. So the Catalyst Festival was fantastic. Next one, Freedom in Christ course. This starts next Sunday. Thank you, Abby, there. <laughs> Got a whoop. Freedom Christ, what we're going to do is we're going to run this, uh, it's going to roll down to Christmas and then after as well. We won't get it all done. But we'll be doing that, preaching that through on a Sunday. Please come expect them. We're going to be preaching through the stuff in the Freedom, Freedom in Christ course. Uh, lots of great material about who you are, your identity in Christ, what God's done for you, about changing what we believe, make sure we're believing what the Bible's teaching us. Uh, we'll be preaching on Sunday, working out some stuff in small groups. Come ready for that. Be excited. That's excellent. Next one, um, come learn about Joseph. We've done the Joseph series. It's all wrapped up now. We finished it just before the summer. All the sermons are on the web if you missed that. A great time studying uh, the book of Genesis. Go and check that out. Uh, the next one was come and hear some visiting speakers. We still haven't worked that out, so I'll let you know when we know more about that. Next one, baptism. We had our first Sunday baptism here as a church. We baptized four people. Um, as who wanted to be made a professional face, so I'm going to follow Jesus, and they got baptized as an example, just as Jesus commanded them, and even modeled it himself. Dave and Haley got baptized. Dan and Joel, Joel, yes, all in the, and they're all still here. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> baptized, and they're all still here. It wasn't that traumatic. <laughs> they're still with us. We baptized them over there in the hot tub. It was brilliant, wonderful to see um, the confession of faith and and just people doing that. If you haven't been baptized as a believer here and want to, please come and talk to uh, Melanie and we're going to sort another one out. But that was awesome just to see that and part of that. The next one, come to Men and Women's Real Nights. We ha um, Men and Women's Nights Out. We had ladies night. They went to the Quinto Lounge in town and uh, apparently they had a good time. I didn't go, um, being a guy. Uh, but Mel said they had a wonderful time. That was excellent. And then on Tuesday, they had, oh, this is hysterical, they had a girls craft night. Who went? Which of the ladies went to that? Basically, Melanie said, because what we want to do, because we're changing the kids' work, it's multiplying. We want to do all the, the craft for the kids for the term. And to get all the craft ready for a term, you've got to do a lot of cutting and preparing. And Mel said, I'll ask a few people to come and help me um, and see what the take-up is and see if we can prepare it. It turned out about 21 ladies wanted to come. There was wine involved, I hear, which made the cutting that much more wonky. Who knows? But basically, they, they all came. Mel said it was the best girls' night out or girls' night in she'd had for a while. And I was like, okay, all you need is a bit of glue and some glitter and scissors. But they had another, a wonderful night there. Apparently, they're going to do another one, getting ready for messy uh, Christmas and, and the kids' work. So, ladies, watch this space if you like that sign of thing. Um, men, we did a couple of things. We went out. We didn't do that. Men, we went out and we had, uh, went to Jimmy Spices and had a great meal out there, which Ryan organized. It was brilliant. And then we also climbed a mountain, which was much more... Uh, 
So we went and climbed a mountain together. So they were brilliant times. All right, flip over. Go and show. So there's some things we did internally, what we've done kind of looking out. Um, alpha, we've run two Alpha courses uh, in 2015. The first one kind of started just for the Christmas and ran over. We had two people become um, Christians in and around that. Haley and Ness made professions of faith there, which was fantastic. We had a number of other guests on those courses. Then straight out of the back, Melanie was so excited, they started another one. We ran straight in with some other, I think there were four more guests on that, and Ness's husband Z became a Christian on that one as well, which was so exciting. So we're thrilled um, about Alpha. Watch the space. Mel um, wants to start um, another Alpha course soon. If you've got friends who are, who are interested in the faith and you know, want to ask some questions, go and have a chat with her. Uh, acoustic Costa and Knit Night. We ran a couple of Acoustic Costas last term um, at the local Costa just over there at the Weather Centre. Put some of our musicians up. Just had a great chilled out evening. Lots of guests, lots of fun. Knit Night. Uh, which Fliss is running um, at the Boldmere in on the deli, uh, the deli on the Boldmere High Street. Um, lots of people come. If you're interested in just knitting and just hanging out with people and having fun there, please come along to that. Dates uh, will be on the website. The Fun Run. The Fun Run is the largest community event uh, in Sutton Coalfield, as far as I'm aware of. Seven thousand runners um, and as many people watching and cheering us on. We put a team in. Here we are with a sled um, that Matt built, um, and our theme was uh, that, that ghastly film Frozen, but there it was. And so some of us dressed up like Olaf, we had an Elsa and an Anna in there, and we had Olaf on the sleigh, and some of us dressed up as the, um, the kind of the ice cutters, and we ran around and had a fantastic time. We wanted to raise some money for the youth centre here, we raised just over £1,300 for them, which will bless them and the work there. We had an awesome time, got our name out in the community and basically had just lots of fun. Loads of people noticed us. Um, it was actually quite a wet Sunday, which when you're wearing an Olaf onesie is actually a good thing when it's a bit damp and a bit cold. But we had a really good time there. And many people came and just cheered and, and as we ran round. That was a fantastic, fun event. Um, messy kids events. We did Messy Easter. According to Melanie, the stats were 112 children we had in this hall. Can you imagine anything? If you're not into kids, that's a lot of kids, isn't it? 112 with glitter and glue, and plus 97 adults. That's nearly that's 200, isn't it? Over 200 people in here. It was a mammoth success. We basically put it on completely free and said, come, invite your friends, just be blessed on us. And we had just free craft events. Uh, we served them food out there. You can help yourself. We had um, some things that were divertly Christian, some weren't, but it was just a case we just want to bless you. We love you. And then afterwards, we had the Woodland Treasure Hunt over in Sutton Park. We had about 150 people there. Uh, Michael Fliss organized a whole bunch of events as well as find the chocolates and woodland craft and creativity, which was fantastic. We had to build stuff and make stuff and find stuff so they were awesome events and uh, the last one just so we got messy Christmas coming watch this space if you like glitter that's for you but we'll, we'll tell you more about that. So they've been fantastic. New Day, which has literally just happened, a massive youth event run by New Frontiers, a family we're a part of, um, family churches we're a part of, about 5,000. We took our first youth group. If you've been here like over a year, 18 months, you will remember us praying for young people and praying to take a youth group to a youth event because we didn't have any. This year we took five. God is gracious. He gave us five young people. They had a fantastic time. There's a little video on our Facebook page that Gemma's put together, you can go and watch just some of the things they got up to, some of their stories. We had them up last week just sharing some of the things they did. It was a fantastic time. Some of the guys in the church went and served, had a great time. So we want to thank you, Jesus, for that. That was brilliant. 
Where are we? Oh, the food bank. Get involved in the food bank. Um, a while back, we had to stop giving to one of our food banks because they basically said, we've got loads of food. <laughs> Please stop giving to us. And we were like, oh, no. What do we do? So we went and found another one. Jack's uh, went and found another one. So we started giving again the food bank. We have these... Um, Bins we put out every um, Sunday. If you've got things, non-perishables, you could, you're willing to donate one extra thing in your shop each week, come along, give them here on a Sunday. Jacks will make sure they go to the food bank over in Erdington, which is one of, our, one of the, the Baptist churches there. And we want to keep blessing that and just being good news to those who are, who are less fortunate than we are um, and want to serve them. So that's fantastic. So that's still going. Last two there. Um, the work parties and getting out on the streets haven't happened yet, <laughs> so we've got nothing to report on that stuff. Watch this space on that. So hopefully that was a whistle-stop tour, but is that, is that good? What's happened this year? I think there is an awful lot to celebrate. What God has called us to as a church, he is fulfilling before my eyes. I see it. I hear stories from people. I, I just hear things that are going on in church, things in people's life. And God is good and God is gracious. And we set these things um, out before him at the beginning of the year saying, God, you know, if you're willing, please fulfill these. Bless us. Cause us to grow. Cause us to be fruitful in the community. Cause us to be a blessing. Cause us to be influential. Cause us to grow and reproduce. And it feels like God is answering our prayers which for me is something to celebrate and something to be overjoyed at. And as I reflect back what we're eight months in, eight and a bit months in now to 2015, we're on the downward, downward run. I think, God, you have been super gracious to us at Real Life Church. I'm praying in faith that he continues as we kind of roll out the rest of this year. Um, and I, I'm in faith for doing more, which we're going to be praying about um, on Wednesday. But I think it's time for us to celebrate now and actually to, just to thank God and say, God, you are good. You are wonderful. You have taken us this far, and you will take us further. So do you want to stand? The band, you want to come get ready? I'm just going to finish in prayer. And then I think it would be good just to worship and celebrate and see what God does amongst us as a people. Maybe you want to just close your eyes. And open your hands. Do what it means, whatever you need to do to sort of engage with God. And I just, I'm going to pray generally and thank God, but when you've got a room like this and we've all been involved in things, you will have stories that I don't know about. You'll have things God in your, done in your life that I'm not aware of. And maybe you always want to bring your praise and thanks to God. Reflect back over this year, 2015. What's God done in your life? What have you seen happen? What amazing things. What things do you think at the beginning of the year that you think, God, you've answered that prayer. That's changed. I, you know, I just want to thank you and praise you for that. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are a good God. Lord, I want to thank you that when we were lost and that we were at our worst, uh, Melanie read this morning, Lord, you came and found us. When we were far from you, at the worst state we could possibly be, you came and saved us. Lord, I want to thank you that you made a way when there was no way, not for us. But you came in and you, you saved us, Lord God. You turned us around. You, you changed us from being sinners to saints. You brought us from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. When we were kind of lost and alone, you brought us into your family and made us sons and daughters of God. You as our Father. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. As I reflect back over the last eight months of this year, Lord, I thank you for what you've done in Real Life Church. Lord, I thank you as we began the year and we just put some things out and said, God, we want to do this. You have more than met our expectations. In fact, you've exceeded them. You've brought hundreds through our doors 
um, just to events we've done, some meetings we've had, who've encountered something of you. Lord Jesus, they've encountered your people, they've encountered you, they've encountered your love and grace and kindness, Lord. And I want to just say thank you for that. Thank you for being able to send young people to New Day for the first time. Lord, we've got teenagers amongst us. God, we are so grateful for that. Thank you for multiplying our children's work to the point we've got to split the age groups, recruit more people. Thank you for the gift of that. Thank you for Alpha Course where people have been saved. Lives have been transformed. Lord, thank you for baptisms where we got to baptize people who were making a public profession of their faith, saying, I will follow Jesus. He has changed my life. Lord God, we thank you for that, Lord God. And I pray looking forward for the last four months of this year. Lord, I pray, God, you do amazing things amongst us. Lord, I pray you fulfill your word amongst us, Lord God. You said that we were to be a large, influential, reproducing church, and we by faith take that and say, God, do that. Do that. We cannot do that on our own. We don't have the strength. We don't have the the power. We don't have the resources. We just don't have the skill. We're just not up to it, God, but you are able. You are able. Lord, you are bigger uh, than we are. And you have a plan and a purpose far beyond us, Lord God. So we say, God, do it amongst us. Do it amongst us. Lord, we say we want to love you. We praise you. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.